introduction talking about the wills of God. Yeah. And um, we started talking about um, universal will versus his unique will. And we've had a lot of, um, some of it went philosophical, um, some of it went theological, um, and some of it, well, I think really quite frankly, I think it touched us deeply when we were talking about the will of God and what it looks like. And, you know, even um, last week we were talking, today, you know, pastor's talking about um, walking in God's will and the challenges of potential promotions, you know, that if you're promoted, you still need to be in God's will, you know. Um, and last week we talked about how sometimes promotion is a curse, you know, because it can change us. Um, and that's not what it's supposed to do. You know, when we get promoted, we're supposed to be larger influences of Christ. Um, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And that's why it's, it's important to understand that we can pray for God's will in our life. And if we pray for God's will in our life, what can we expect? Hardship. Why? Because it's hard. What's hard? I'm just going through the motions because it isn't always pleasant or comfortable. It pushes us out of our comfort zone, and sometimes people call us crazy to our face. Mm -hmm. Why else? And I really like that because what is God's will for our life? Romans 8, 28 to 8, 20, Romans 8, 28 to 29, the last part of that, so that we can be conformed into the likeness of Christ. How else are we going to be conformed into the likeness of Christ without trial to develop our character? Because frankly, and, and this is why this relationship, this is why it's so critical that this relationship not be bailed out on at the first sign of trouble. Because this relationship, I can I can be with Brian, I can be with Paul. They can call me on the carpet for something. They can say, hey, you shouldn't be acting like that. David can do the same thing. And I can look at them and say, out of here. I don't have to be in this relationship. I don't have to be in this friendship. I could move if I wanted to. But God is trusting in a covenant, the blood covenant of marriage, that I can't do the same thing here. So, and this is, this is the important thing. The most painful development that I have to do to become more and more Christ-like is going to be in this relationship. Because God knows I can bail on Brian, Dave, or Paul, but I won't be bailing on my wife. So those critical elements of my character that hurt the most to develop, guess who God is going to use? My lovely wife. Not that way. <laughs> not that way. It works a lot better if it's not being developed by me going like this yeah. to him and poking him and nagging him and poking him and nagging him yeah. and telling him how he should be in the Lord. And at the same time, I serve the same way for Gene. And it's not by, you know, you should be more like, or, man, I just wish you would get on the stick here. Or it'd be a lot healthier if you lost 50 pounds. Okay. Yeah, right, okay. But there are men out there that do that to their wives. And so... And there is women that do that to their husbands. Yes, you're right. You're right. They focus on the physical aspects, not really for the health, as much as for the, you're not attractive arm candy anymore, so you need to. Wow. You looked straight at me when you said that. <laughs> you didn't even flinch. Oh, my goodness. You're the best. But that is why when we pray, God, develop, you know, I, I'm here for, develop your will in me. Make my heart like yours. That's a dangerous prayer because it's going to hurt. Thank you for sharing that. It's going to hurt. So why in the round world do we follow Christ if it's going to hurt? Yeah, that's a really good question. Why do we do that? 
<laughs> You're playing for the end game. Exactly. That's right. I mean, yeah. we're getting down to rock bottom here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. But, yeah, what else? I mean, playing for the end. Playing for the end game. Yeah. That's got to be worse than whatever I'm going through here. Right. Right. They wouldn't go to hell for nothing. So. Right. And like Gene shared, we are going to live forever. It's a matter of where. become more more humble yeah. and we become more pliable in his hand you know right now there's lots of times and the older people in the room would remember there's lots of times in my life where I feel like OJ Simpson's glove okay it's so hardened it doesn't fit anymore you know because I've become so hardened by the stains that were put in me that I don't fit as well into God's hands so he needs to do a little banging to try to soften that glove again so that it fits better in his hands. You Because know, anything that we do, whether it be directed toward ourselves or directed toward others, is meant to be an extension of God's hand. It's meant to be an extension of God's hand. So, it, so I don't know how we started off on this subject. But well, anyway, we're going to yeah. get back to our... <laughs> no, we're going to continue to run with this for a little bit. So, you know, David shares he's in this for the end game. I play a lot of board games. And strategy-wise, there's a beginning, there's a mid game, and there's an end game. So David's playing for the end game. What is, what is the benefit, what are the benefits of following Christ now? What are the benefits of getting our character molded and, and just, because remember, Bruce Reed, he does not break. So we can be bruised, we can be battered, but he's never going to get into a position where we're going to be busted. So we can. We may feel broken, but we're not torn apart. We're right. not going to be ripped out of the source. So what are the benefits before the end game of following Christ? <laughs> it hurts less. <laughs> it hurts less. Okay. I mean, it's not as hard to like if you conform initially when God asks you to. If you're obedient or submissive when he asks you to, then it's so much better than when you get to a place where he forces you okay. to. Okay. Because it just gets harder and harder yeah. to live in that place that's outside of God's will. Okay. It's okay. good. Terry. My father used to speak in sports terms. He would always say people who are in the teams that are in the league don't have to make comebacks. Yeah. All right. I like that. Give me, give me, give me a little bit more detail. Well, in, in answering Ron's question, if in our feedback on Victoria, if we follow God now, then you heard the scripture. We don't need to be hammered into submission. We're already there, and we're practicing the basics, so we're more likely to make the championships. Yeah. Well, any again, sports teams, any. Any team will tell you it is the fundamentals that will win. You could be as fancy as you want to be. But if, if you play the game fundamentally, you will win. I, I like this discussion. The reason being is because even though it didn't look like it, I understand. It leads us really well into the discussion we wanted to share with you today and have with you today. But I want to ask one question Yeah. before you ask that. Me or them? Well, them, us, okay, me. Us. Um, what are we winning? Okay. What are we winning when we have when we walk with Christ? What are we winning? Yes, eternal, eternal life. What else are we winning? Life more abundantly. Life more abundantly. 
even if it means we don't have our house, we don't have our our our, our loved ones. We could be one well, of others. We could be one of, you know, uh, as far as uh, the the opportunity for even the next person that may come to, come along and share a more broader openness for the next person as people see our lives. A so, legacy. A legacy. Right. Well, I got a two part. The, the, the first part was when, when, you know, you make a mistake, right? Like, mm -hmm. Say you get a car report and you don't learn nothing from it. You're going to end up going around that mountain again. Right. And that was, that was what I was going to say mm -hmm. about the other part. And then, as it, and, and what you just asked, as it is in heaven, on earth. So when we start living our life as Christ, then we're bringing heavy down to That's right. And we can start living that here on earth. We bring the kingdom right. to, mm -hmm. to the earth. And then, as the previous classes that you, you know, you have, we gain to see things with his perspective of perception, with his godly confidence. Therefore, we face trials dif in different way as we were in believers. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the games, I believe, is trying. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, Elaine and then. I think at the end of the day, regardless whether it's good or bad, what I love about God is that he always has my best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm suffering, even though I'm hurting, he still has my best interest mm -hmm. at heart. If I don't get the job, I do get the job. He had my best interest at heart. Yeah. I just wanted to comment on uh, Terry, and I, because last week you made a comment too about sports and used football. So Terry just said the team that's winning doesn't have to come back. Mm -hmm. The team that winning, if he doesn't sustain. The fundamentals that you talked about can lose like one of our team does a lot. <laughs> no, we're not going to go there. Don't go there. That's too much. I know. I, I, I didn't name them, but I'm just saying. And then, again, you, you said about last week, and it was very good, is that, you know, on the football field, if you go out of bounds, you can come back in, right? But if you're a ball person and you come right back in and touch the ball before someone else does, you disqualify. That's a foul. So even though we get out of those lines, it, yeah, we can come back in, but there's things that it's a procedure. There's still consequences. Yes. There's still consequences. Yeah, and definitely walking in faith it doesn't mean that our actions don't have consequences. And we've talked about consequences before. Mm -hmm. That's a neutral term. Mm -hmm. It's not negative or positive. Um, but there's going to be consequences. And when we walk in those lines of sin and selfishness, there's going to be more, ne more negative consequences. When we walk in righteousness, there's going to be less negative consequences. Right? Because there's still times when we walk in righteousness that there's negative consequences to our, our natural surroundings. You know, I'm walking in righteousness, and we know someone um, that actually kind of got fired because they were working as a stock person at a particular store and noticed that that store is not switching up their stock. Or if they are switching it up, they're putting expired date stuff to the front. And they said, I don't like this. It's not right. And surprisingly, by the end of the day, they were fired. Okay? But that's a righteousness, right? And now they've lost their job. So is that... Okay? So, we're... In, and I do like that analogy because if we start off well, and like Victoria had mentioned too, if we start off well, we don't have to be beat into submission so much as we can humbly submit ourselves because we're going to be we're we're either going to humbly submit or we will be humbled one of the two is going to happen and so i'd much rather take the high road if you will and get low quick and do it on my own but i know i haven't done that my entire life the one thing that i get to have now and not just having afterwards 
the one thing I get to have now is peace. I get to have, I was watching Last Man Standing. It's one of my favorite shows. I just like Tim Allen. I was watching it last night, and it, it got a reboot. But the entire episode was about chaos in America and how everybody's fighting against each other because of the current political climate and everything else. There's either that side or that side. There is no middle. And when I'm thinking about that, it's like, and I look around and, you know, had an opportunity just to, to travel as I do and meet different people. And I meet people from Canada. And it's like, how do you deal with the states and all that other stuff? I recognize that either it's, it, it's one of two things. It's either I'm just ignorant and don't care or I really have peace. And I don't think I'm ignorant. And I do think I care. It must be peace. And that's the one thing we can have now, is in the midst of all this political turmoil and upheaval and everything else that's going on, we can have peace right now. And it's not just in this classroom. We can have peace wherever we go. We can have peace in our home when there's constant tension and discord. Yeah. And the other thing I get to do is I get to love a daughter of the king. And me, our prince. And this is one of the most fulfilling relationships that a person could ever truly enjoy. And it's important, you know, and we've said it before, even if your partner is not in alignment with you in terms of where God is in your life and everything else, you can still love them. You can still see them as Christ sees them. And that's what we're going to talk about because how we see people and how we see ourselves is directly related to what we mean by believing in Christ. Uh, John 6.40 For it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him shall have eternal life. So we have a question for you. What does it mean to believe in Christ? I know we've all said it. Have we really thought about what we've said? Yeah, I believe in Christ. What does that mean? His finished work on the cross by grace through faith and what he did okay. on the cross. Okay. Okay. Terry. To believe in Christ is to believe in anything would be to accept it. What does it mean to accept it? Accept what? Accept what? I know we were going to say password out of the Except the, the well, hold on. Let, let Terry let Terry try and finish. All right. We'll, we'll come back to you. We'll, we'll come back to you. Go ahead. I would say accepting the gospel and knowing that our identity is in that. What What's the gospel? The death, the burial, the resurrection. Okay. So it's, and I'm I'm just trying to get specific. I'm just trying to get specific because you know we can say gospel, we can say believe, we can say all these terms. But what do they really mean? What do they mean to us? So I'm trying to get at the heart of the issue, Johnny and then Johnny? To deny self. Okay. To, to, I mean, because even as Christians, at times, uh, it's almost like, you know, I think we mentioned last week about, you know, just having this blueprint and all that, but to really deny what I want and who I think, you know, or how it should go. So when you're talking about denying self, you're talking about de denying your own perspectives and expectations. Okay, that's a really big distinction. Um, when I heard deny self, I hear a good Christian term saying, okay, well, I can't get what I want, you know, that it's it's a selfish 
thing that, you know, well, I can't I, get the Lamborghini, so I'll have to settle for the Pinto. What is it? What is denying ourselves? You know, so I like the way that you qualified it. Yeah. Uh, that Jesus made the ultimate, the ultimate sacrifice for us. Mm -hmm. okay. freedom, free, free us for the sin. There was the most pure love that we can ever see. That. And what Jesus said, I love you, then I'm going to show you what is the love I have for you. Then, therefore, my, my son is going to be crucified. Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 Yep. <laughs> Lots of discussion. I think it comes down to two things. It's accepting the responsibility of what it means to be a Christ follower, and accepting the responsibility that comes with uh, the Great Commission, you know, denying yourself. And you know, denying yourself doesn't mean you can't get what you want, it just means that it comes in due time. It means that uh, everything you want may not fit within God's will, but there are some things that do. You know, not all Christ followers may get the Lamborghini, but there are some that do because it fits where, yeah. you know, maybe where their mission field is. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a belief. Uh, it's belief is like a two-sided coin. There's the belief that, you know, you believe in his sacrifice and you believe what he did, but then you obey what, what that promise is okay. and uh, put the work into it. Okay. Thank you very much, because that's going to be key to something we're going to be talking about in a second. Al. Uh, I've been, I've been keep, keep having the same thought over and over again. Uh, in school, they would, they would tell us, you know, trust in your tools. Trust, when you're cutting hair, trust in your tools, or else your haircuts are going to come out wrong, right? And so, uh, to me, believing God is trusting in those tools that he's given us. He's given us, it, the, the word says that Christ's word doesn't return void. He's given us the helper. He's given us, you know, the Holy Spirit to help us out. He's, uh, he's given us those strengths where we, where we are weak, he is strong, mm -hmm. so we can lean on him. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, is, is believing in God. Very cool. It's good. It's Very good. Cool. Excellent. Uh, Paul and then Linda. Uh, it sounds like what's being described here is that there's a difference between believing in Jesus, in other words, yeah, he existed. Uh, and believing in Jesus, who that person really was, and what he stood for, <coughs> represented, and taught. Very cool. Good observation. Good observation. Well, there's a verse somewhere that says, even the demons believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a very sobering verse to consider. And just from my own experience, I was a church, I, you know, I attended church, sat in a pew for many years, and I believed up here in my head, but it wasn't until I got really real with the Lord and said, I really, not only do I believe who you are and, and that you paid a price for me, but I want to do things your way. Uh -huh. You know, so I'm, I remember a, years and years ago, I still remember this, like it's probably over 30 years ago, I heard a sermon and um, the pastor said that believe, when you go back to the original language, <clears throat> it does talk about not just helping your head, but that you grasp it and receive it so deeply that you want to that you want to do. That you actually live it out. Yeah, thank you. And that um, kind of leads into a little bit of my testimony. Um, I, I grew up in a very um, dysfunctional household, and the, the freedom, the easiest freedom that I could get was going to church or someplace faith-based uh, with any of my friends. So I went anywhere that anyone wanted to take me to. Um, so I've been exposed to a lot of different... Um, faiths, so to speak. And when I was in middle school, um, middle school or so, I actually um, said the sinner's prayer and started going to Bible studies and that and um, uh, did a lot of really good external um, behavior modifications. You know, um, I hid my partying a little bit better. Um, I, the bomb threats were anonymous instead of saying, hey, this is Gene calling. Okay. Um, I mean, you, 
what people don't understand, they look at me now. When I was in, in that high school, middle school, I mean, I started going to bars when I was 11, 12 years old. All right? Um, I literally, um, you know, pipe bomb in the bathroom at the high school. All right? That would be terrorist threats today. I could have, praise God, no one was hurt. There was a lot of destruction, but no one was physically hurt. All right? What I did was wrong. Um, but I did this as a professed Christian. I had said the sinner's prayer, so check. I've got that fire insurance. I'm good. All right? And again, I did a lot of behavior modification. And I, and I changed externally. You know, I got to the point where I wasn't doing the drugs, I wasn't doing the alcohol, I wasn't, you know, blowing up bathrooms, all right? Um, I married a man that does that. No. <laughs> he legally, when he blows up things with safety and everything as part of his job. I was okay. able to figure that part out. Um, <laughs> but, um, We were going to church. Why were we going to church? Because our kids were young enough, and if you were good parents, you had to bring them up in a religious upbringing. So we put them into a Christian preschool. They kind of guilted us into going to the church. So we went to the church, and we were involved in the church. But we weren't. You know, we weren't. Even though I professed Christ. None of it, I believed in Christ. And I could spell everything that we said here. You know? Yeah, I believe in this death, burial, resurrection. Yeah, I believe in... It wasn't until I fell asleep behind the wheel of my car, woke up three turns later, there was a Christian radio station on that I didn't even know they had, okay, that I actually received the Lord. My belief went from here to here. Okay, and all of a sudden, I began to change from the inside out. I began to change, and I began to really understand not just, yeah, okay, he died, he loved me so much, yeah, I get that, but I'm not really sure he can love me in this moment, you know. I can't really believe that um, I have gifts, I have talents. I can't believe that I can really be used of God because, you know, I've got all these issues. I've got all this stuff, you know, and, and look at everything else. And I'm really not a great parent, so I can't help other people with their parenting because look at all these mistakes I make, right? I can't really be a good, um, you know, well, back in the day, it was like, I couldn't stand up here. We don't have the perfect relationship. We've still got issues we're working on. So how can I, and I forgot my belief before didn't include an understanding of what it really means to be in Christ and have Christ in me. And if we're walking as Christians without that good understanding, we're missing a lot. And it's going to distort us, and it's going to it's going to impact our our ability and our desire even to approach God. You know, when when I became a Christian, I was taught extremely well in church what God expected. I was taught really well what God expected of me. And unfortunately, a lot of that was tailored through what somebody was taught that God expected of them. And it went back like a generational curse, to be honest with you. Because it was a performance-based issue. You know, we talk about what Christ did. He died on a cross and everything else. Yes, that is all true. And if that is the sole way we look at Christ and how we believe in Christ and how we see our Christ, see Christ how does that influence our day-to-day actions? Because when I see... And when I was taught early on, Christ died for your sins, yeah, I'm a miserable person. In fact, I was convinced for a long time that I did not deserve what God, what Christ did for me on the cross. 
And then a pastor friend of mine looked at me and says, I've been looking for you all my life. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I've been looking for the sole exception to the Bible, and you believe you're it. Hey, that was a good slap upside the head because I needed to hear that. Okay? So, but that's, that's how I saw God. And that really drove things. So, if our focus is on doing instead of our being, we're really missing the fullness of who Christ is. So let's look at the fullness of Christ. Okay. So Christ is the incarnate one, right? You know, we talk about putting ourselves, you know, if you walk a mile in someone else's shoes, you'll understand better. All right. What I find is interesting is that Christ has all understanding. He knows our heart better than we know ourselves, right? But he chose to come and walk a lot longer than a mile in our shoes. Why? We're told to walk in someone else's shoes so they have an understanding, right? But Christ knows us. So why did he have to come down? So you would understand him. Okay. So what better understanding do we get of his coming down here and walking in our shoes? How do we bet how do we better understand that? What aspect of him do we understand better? Well, so like when we go through different things, like let's say we're betrayed. Mm-hmm. And we can look to Jesus and see he was betrayed. Yeah, but you're not Jesus. I mean, he can deal with stuff like that because he's Jesus. You're not Jesus. No, but it helps me understand that he... Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just pushing you to get that out. Out. No, I just. Hey, we put, we push, and we push, and we push because we want to make sure that. For so long, so many of us operate in in this head level. Yes, that's who Jesus is. That's what I've been told without it sinking here. And if it doesn't sink here, I I will share with you that I can tell if it's gone from here to here. Because when we work with couples or when we work with individuals, I can see the fruit of that. The other part of that is... There's a lot of times where I don't even know my own heart or my own understanding until someone pushes me to explain it, you know, and and that's, yeah. we love you guys so much that we just want to keep <laughs> putting the pressure on. Okay. So we have that crisis in Victoria. Veronica. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Veronica. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're both beautiful. It was hard to. <laughs> And <laughs> I really am sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Well, I was going to say, um, I, I remember an old boss um, saying, this is when I was in, in ministry, uh, and saying, you know, to be Jesus to that person. And so it kind of like, you know, I know it's very simplistic, like, what would Jesus do? But I noticed, like, if you, you know, like in dealing with difficult people, I, you know, sometimes I just want to, like, you know, just not even just be mean. I just want to shut down and just, you know, avoid them. And so it's like, you know, um, I try to, you know, but then it's like I feel like a little nudge on my heart. And sometimes, like, you know, I feel like God's like, is that, you know, is that really the way you should handle this? Or, like, maybe, you know, try, you know, try to... Um, maybe try to be kind to them when they're, you know, it's, which I don't always do. But, you know, just like try to try to go against what my natural instinct is, and to try to like picture how would Jesus interact with that person and try to emulate that. And um, I've actually had, you know, people tell me. I was telling Kathy and Paul, <laughs> the people that I work with, like, you know, um, I think I was telling you guys. 
the people at my work are like, oh, you're always so happy and you know, like you have this bright light inside of you and, and they're not Christians, so they don't know like that lingo. And so it's like, I feel like, you know, Christ is evident in me because I'm trying to do things the way that I think he would, he would do them uh-huh. in that situation. And so, or like maybe I don't, you know, I don't act like Christ in that situation, so I have to go back and apologize to that person. And I really hate doing it, but like, you know, I'm like, okay. You know, I can respect somebody more when they can admit that they're wrong sure. in the situation. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Or sure. Or they can handle that in correctly or something. Very cool. Thanks. 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 Awesome. That is great. That is great. And it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. But to to understand that Christ walked this earth and he was able to exhibit that gives us an example to follow. So that's John. Oh, sorry. Brian had his hand. Oh, Brian. Well, you said, you know, why Christ come down. You know, he showed us, he had every temptation that we had, uh-huh. right? And he, and he walked it out. He was able to walk it out. He showed us the path, right? And for knuckleheads like me, I would, you know, like you said, I went to church, and I was at church and doing all the right saying, and, and I didn't really realize until he, he squeezed my heart, heart attack, right? And then I realized, no, I'm not, I'm not Iron Man anymore. Right. Yeah. And that's the way I felt because I because Brian could do anything, yeah, and just you know I was in control, but you know I, I watched my whole life lead before me, right, and I realized he was in control. Yeah. You know, and then that's when that's when things really turned around for me, and I said, oh, I got to start believing in him, mm-hmm. and not me. You know what I mean? And then that was. That was total eye opener. I think that there's a lot among us, and and some of them are going to unfortunately hear the Lord, Lord. You know, I said Lord, Lord, and He says, "Get away from me because I never knew you." Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of us can relate to that. I was walking what I thought was in belief, but what I was believing mm-hmm. in was, in some ways, the fairy tale of the Disney movie. <laughs> You know, oh, I'm believing is. in the happily ever after because that's the way life is supposed to work. And if I have Christ, then I'm going to have that fairy tale life. And if I do these things, then that's going to guarantee me my, you know, happily ever after. Um, but the difference between that experience and that experience where you realize that regardless of whether you have a happily ever after, regardless of whether or not you do the right things, when you recognize that Christ, and that this is the belief, Christ loves you, sacrificed for you. He has not only your best interest, but also the best interest of everyone in this world since the beginning of creation until the dawn of the second coming. Think about that. How many people, even today, suffer for the goodness of what comes later? And in the midst of that, if we're the one that's suffering for the goodness of what will come later, whether it's through the loss of financial stuff, through the loss of relationship, through the loss of pride, through the loss of you know fill-in whatever, um, do we have that faith that Christ is in us? Is our belief? Is our belief in Christ yeah. strong enough? Truthfully, sometimes mine is, sometimes it's not. And that's why we want to stress these particular portions of Scripture about who Christ is. Because as much as we teach about God's expectations and you know how we should be dealing with other individuals and stuff like that, our relationships, it's important to understand that Scripture actually emphasized more who Christ was. But we don't hear a lot about that. We don't hear a lot about that, you know, in in Sunday school or something like that. You know, um, I learned, plug for cleansing stream, it's already started, but get into it if you haven't been. Next season. Next season. I learned more about who God is in cleansing stream than I did in three years of seminary. Because in seminary, I was taught what Scripture said, not what God meant. 
And I was taught what God expected, not about his heart. Three years of seminary. I have a degree. <laughs> well played. It means nothing. Go ahead. So am I hearing you say that um, like although you accept Christ at a certain point in your life, say for me, December 18, 1997, but then I have these transformational moments oh, you bet. throughout my life you bet. of experiences that really give me that. So, uh-huh. like, oh, okay. Now I believe you, but I did believe you then. It's just that our faith is increasing. It's a fullness of what I'm believing. So Christ is the incarnate one. He came in human form. Christ is the son of the most high. I'm going to oh. actually read this. Okay, go this ahead. Is, this is a quote from Emerson Egerich's book, The Four Wills, which is what this teaching is based on. It says, as a son, Christ makes a way for us to become adopted into the family. Imagine this. Can you imagine a son in an earthly family who is in a perfect relationship with his parents and enjoying all the perks of being an only child? Well, you wrote some of it, and then you didn't. No, that's all. Yeah. Go ahead and read it. (laughs) Okay, fine. Um, Okay. Anyway. He has all the attention and is enjoying perfect fellowship. Now it is quite possible that you might imagine that the parents might want to adopt another child. Okay? But can you imagine that the son would spearhead that? Okay? Mom, dad, adopt a child, living the perfect family, perfect life. Okay? Okay. Pretend. (laughs) Pretend. You don't have to pretend too hard. We love this baby. Yeah, we do. Okay. So she's a perfect child. She's in perfect fellowship with us. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's laughing. We see you that way. <laughs> okay. We know her as well. Yeah, we know her. We well. love her very okay. much. Okay. So we're enjoying this perfect fellowship, and it's and now everything's going along well. Everything's going along really well. Now, you might imagine that Jean and I, if, if we couldn't conceive or, or have another child, might consider adoption because we love children so much. Could you imagine Jenna actually spearheading that? And saying, hey, Mom, Dad, you know, I really want to share all my toys. I want to share my attention with you. I want to share, you know, so that the love that I'm experiencing can be experienced. Okay? I, mean, I, I, can, I can actually see her heart do something like yeah. that. Okay. Now, do you think that her heart would be the same if she said, and you know what, Mom and Dad? I think that the people that you should adopt should be liars, thieves, arrogant. Okay. So can you imagine, can you imagine the son leaving for that? Thank you, Jenna. Can you imagine the son leaving for that? Right. Leaving perfect fellowship so that God can adopt the brattiest, unruliest of kids. That's me and you. All right. That's who Christ is. When, when Scripture says he is the son of the Most High, that's the son we're talking about. Does that give you a different picture of that verse, maybe? And how could he do this? He could do this because while he left his place, he never left his position. There's a real difference. He left his place in heaven, but he never left his position as son of God. No matter where he was, he was always a son. So he never left his position even though he left his place. That's how we can pull that off. That's why positionally this is so important our relationship with Christ, and our relationship with one another. That's why positionally those things are very important. Because I can be traveling across the country, in Montreal, wherever, but Gene knows that our hearts are as one. No matter where I am, I am always Gene's husband. 
I am always her partner. I am always linked with her. No matter where I'm at in the world, we are always together. So who else is Christ? We're only going to get through these. Christ is the sinless one, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He's the sacrificial lamb. He's the one who paid the ransom. He is Lord of Lord, King of Kings. We have four sides, five sides, four and a half sides of a paper of all the names of God. He's our comforter. He's our provider. He's our, our counselor. He's our safety. He's our, our time of refuge, right? He's our banner. All right. Lots of different things of who Christ is. Do we believe in Christ enough to believe that he's all of that in the midst of whatever? You know, I like what Pastor said upstairs. He says so often it, the rough times we tend to remember a little bit more because we tend to pull in a little bit. But sometimes when it gets good, we forget. And we kind of, hey, I got this. I'm on cruise control. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I know you're my family. Yeah, I know you're my counselor. But I don't need your counsel right now because yeah. life is going good. You need a co right now. Okay. So when we look at all these, the fullness of Christ, now what are we believing in? And that, that's just a small fraction of what we could have brought out today. Mm -hmm. But when we say now that we believe in Christ, how do these scriptures, how do these ideas transform? Because scripture really did paid a lot more attention on focusing on who Christ is than his moral teachings or his miracles. Who Christ is versus what he did. So when we're looking at people, when we're looking at those irritants in our life, are we looking at them as who they are or what they do? So we're going to talk about a few things. So what are you believing? Because if the focus of your belief is on forgiveness, then you may find yourself with an excuse to sin because why else would you need forgiveness? Or... I hope nobody's saying this, but I know that I did in the past. Well, I know God will forgive me. If 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 we if the focus of our belief is on forgiveness, we can become very presumptuous with God. Uh -huh. When it comes to ourselves, better to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> exactly. And I think I think and we've we've talked about forgiveness in the past as well and probably will again in the future because it's such an important topic. Um too often we're quick to ask for forgiveness for our own actions, slow to give forgiveness for someone else's actions, and even harder to receive God's forgiveness because of whatever. You know, it's easier for me to receive Maria Elena's forgiveness, but God can never forgive me because what I've done is the impardonable. You know? Uh, I have an instance where somebody, and I was, I don't know how to explain how I felt, but this person claimed uh, there was a Christian or is a Christian and said, well, I can even commit the murder and I can ask God for forgiveness and be okay. I said, no, I don't think so. Sin has the consequences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I could not believe, listen, a Christian say that. I said, it's so arrogant and so outrageous to say something like that. It's almost like abuse. It's almost like a blasphemy to me. Yeah. And I, I needed to share with you guys because I still cannot believe somebody said something like that. Goes back to what we asked at the beginning when you're believing in Christ. What are you believing in? What are you believing in? Yeah. You know, I mean, I used to believe in Santa Claus. Right. 
you know, and Santa Claus was presented as a real entity for me. Um, in some ways, I believe in the concept of Santa Claus, the giving of goodwill and, and, and generosity and stuff like that, but I don't believe in the Jolly Red Guy. And at, at certain times in my life, I believed as Christ Claus. Christ Claus. You know, that essentially my idea of Christ was a Santa Claus. As long as I'm good, I'll get everything I want, you know? And when we look at that person, whatever person that has that perspective, who are they believing in? What's the Christ? Who is the Christ that they're believing in? It breaks my heart. Yeah. It, it breaks my heart. Yeah. So some, uh, for some, is the focus of your belief on the miracles. Well, John wrote that all these things were recorded so that people might believe. And yet, if your focus of belief is on miracles, what do you do in those quiet times when God is still a very small voice? And when we were talking last week um, about you know praying for the healing and the healing doesn't happen, you know. Where's your God you then? Just quick, uh, and I was just thinking about that, Jane, because when Joe was talking about the incident with Joe's chair, is that a lot of times we really don't know how much we believe in God until we face with something. I can say it all lot, you know what I'm saying? I can say it, you know, we can say it. And I can tell Renee, I love her, but if she don't see it, it's, it's mere words. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I don't know exactly, and you said it, you know, some, I don't always, always know what's in my heart mm -hmm. until it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then we okay. Someone else and you know, man, you know. That and later on you might not get it till later on, man. I, I, I Lord, I really do love you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? So it, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to be head yeah. face to face. Exactly. I, I remember walking in uh, downtown Oakland when I worked for the Oakland Police Department. I was coming back from lunch and I saw a guy struggling with his wheelchair on the other side of the street. And so I'm walking, I, I was prompted to go over and help him, but I, hey, I gotta get back to work. So here's what I said to God. Well, you know my heart. He goes, yeah, the problem is you don't. <laughs> Woke me up really quick. Guess who crossed the street really fast? Yeah. You know my heart, yeah, problem is you don't. And that's, well, that's another principle of John Bevere. And we talked about John Bevere saying there's zero time. If we knew what we were going to look like, uh, if we knew that today determines what the next week was going to look like, we'd spend today a lot differently. And if we knew what next month or this action this month was going to determine the year, um, again, we would change. But any number over infinity is zero time. So regardless of if we live to 90, 100 years old, 
our time and breath walking here on this earth is zero time. And truthfully, how we respond here is going to impact our, our, our place setting. Are we going to be at table number two or are we going to be table number 200,000? You know, are we going to be close to the action? We're going to get to heaven, you know, but are we going to be close to the action or a little further away, you know, or not get in? And here's what I like, because you probably don't even know that, you may not know that there's a scripture that said God has placed eternity in our hearts. And so what you are doing is you're functioning out of that heart. You are functioning out of that promise that God has put into your heart. You are living your life out of that scripture. And and that's, I don't want to shortchange the rest of these, so we'll talk about these the next time we, we get together. But I think that's what we, it's a good place to close because we want to function out of the fullness of who Christ is. Not, we're going to be talking about you and Christ and Christ in you, us in Christ and Christ in us. We're going to be talking about those Christian phrases. And it may take us a little while, but we'll get through them. But what we want you to leave here today with is, is really questioning and, and thinking about what am I believing? What am I believing about Christ? Because what we believe about Christ is going to uh, flavor our relationships. Our relationships will take on that belief. It's kind of like, do we really believe that they own the cattle on a thousand hills? Do we believe that? Do we believe that we have access, and I'm putting it in monetary terms, but it's certainly not monetary, okay? Um, do we believe that we have access to a bank account that's got 10 times the size of the U.S. debt in assets, okay? More than trillions of trillions of trillions of dollars in assets. Do we really believe that our relationship with Christ gives us access to the power, to the hope, to the words, to the, right? do we believe that? And if so, to what extent? Are we stepping out in our faith and spending $2 a day? Are we saying we've got access to trillions upon trillions upon trillions of, of dollars? And again, I'm not talking money, all right? Let's talk about strength. Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about hope. Let's talk about courage. Let's talk about love, all right? Do we really believe that God is love and the immensity of his love is the value of a trillion dollar plus bank account and we're taking it out and saying well okay I can spend a dollar at McDonald's because that's really all I have access to I can't you know I don't have enough love in me and my bank account just has a dollar huh well, well yeah, I mean, yeah, because wisdom in the access. Yeah, exactly. I may exactly. want a Lamborghini, but God's saying you live in a school zone, dude. What's the point? You know, you know, there's a song. Just exactly what you just said. There's a song about that, and I, the words go something like, um, I think the beginning talks about something like, if I knew who I really was in Christ, my identity that I would love like this and I would give like that and I would forgive like so so your homework this week is well, find a song, sing it no, your, your homework this week is to ask yourself this question and then ask God a similar question, so ask yourself this question what is it I truly believe and then ask God this question, what is it I truly believe? Because the answers might be different. And this is not a point of condemnation. Because what we're going to find is when we don't believe the same way God does, we are falling short of the fullness 
but this is not a condemnation. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to take assessment and say, you know what? I want the fullness. And another question to ask is, what are my actions saying I believe in? Yeah. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity. And Jesus, we're going to just talk to you right now. We are so grateful for who you are. And of all these things, probably the Son of the Most High uh, for myself was, was particularly uh, impactful because you left a perfect relationship so that you could share that relationship with us. You left your place, but you didn't leave your position. You became human. And what's nice is now we can understand how as humans we can still leave a place but always be in position because position is not about where we are geographically. Position is all about who we are and our identity because of you. Because you, we are in you and you are in us. And as we explore this concept over the coming weeks, Lord, I would ask that you just prepare our hearts to see you differently and to enjoy more of who you really are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys very much. Thank you.